Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, Bob Stoffer with you on Oilers Now. It's 1235 in Edmonton. Some guests on the show receive gift certificates from Roos Chris Steakhouse. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. Follow the sizzle to Alberta's own Roos Chris Steakhouse, 9990 Jasper Avenue. Oilers rate 4-1. and one. They were in an okay spot. They've dropped three in a row. All right, let's try that. Uh, we're going to give Elliot another shot here. Uh, my apologies to everybody. Uh, Elliot, do we have you? I hear you. All right. Eight years of post-secondary education. You think I could... Uh, it's this like CGSR radio back in the day. Uh, and the, it's the, the value of a University of Alberta education. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to make you laugh. Uh, okay. Uh, so here's the thing. A week ago, everything was groovy. The team was flying to Detroit 7-4-1. and one. They went into Detroit, a dominant game. They could have easily won that game 6-2 or 7-3. They didn't. They only won 4-3, which might have been a precursor of some things to come. Uh, JJ out of Red Years text the show. I'm actually not worried about the last three games, but, and I know, Bob, I have to wait for this book because you won't give an honest answer. You talk about the Oilers' lack of depth right now and uh, maybe getting exposed when they play a bunch of games all at once. How the heck does a team that's drafted 11 of the 12 years where Edmonton has have the depth issues they do, and how's it even more glaring? Uh, that's the text that's come in. And my response to this partially is that when you have changes, and there's actually been books written about this in soccer with sackings of managers. Now, the difference in soccer is there's, uh, depending upon the league, there, it's not necessarily a salary cap, but there's luxury taxes and that sort of thing. But you can buy your way out of trouble, and they have a constant mm-hmm. turnover, of st- and they don't value what's there before. And mm-hmm. so um, 
You know, and here's my point, Elliot. I said, look, the Oilers' last three games not go well. The team struggled to score. Their their lack of depth on defense and at forward on the wings uh, got exposed as they went into a heavy part of their schedule. This is not going to be uncommon to a lot of other teams in the NHL. Edmonton's played the most road games in the NHL, 10. They yep. went through a stretch where they played eight games in 13 days, and they haven't had the push that we were hoping to see from the preseason from guys like uh, uh, Ratty, though he's been injured, Paul Yarvey, and Yamamoto. That's kind of where I was coming from up front. Obviously, Lucic and Strom haven't got it going offensively yet either. Uh, I said the one area of uh, uh, that's probably been a little bit of a bright light has been the play of Costin. So I'd like to uh, get your thoughts and sort of that that premise that, you know what, uh, elite teams have the depth that they can ride out those situations, but, uh, you know, um, average to slightly above average teams, they get exposed a little bit in these scenarios. Well, I think that's where it's very hard to find depth now. I mean, how many truly deep teams are there? You know, Jim Nill was in um, Jim Nill was in Toronto last week when Dallas was here, and he was on the radio with our guys, and they were asking him about his team, and he said it used to be that when the when it was a smaller league, you know, you could have nights where your star players weren't your best players, and you could still you know win because you had depth. He said, now you need your star players to be great, you know, 80% of the time where you don't have a chance under the salary cap. Now, you guys are lucky in one sense. You have a star player who's consistently great. And, you know, McDavid, he is there every night. And I don't think it's any coincidence that, you know, you had a great couple of weeks when Dreisaitl really got going. And it, it's hard for one star player to win this league. The NBA, one star player can really tip things. You know, in the NFL, a star quarterback can really tip things. In the NHL, if you have a great goalie, that can tip things. But even with a guy like McDavid, even if you stretch him and you play him 20 to 25 minutes a night, that's 35 minutes that are unaccounted for. And I think that you have to find ways that your great players and some of the depth players can make up that difference. And when Drysaddle was going hard a couple of weeks ago, you could. And I, I just think that's it. Like, you need to look and say, how could we win the 35 or so minutes when Connor McDavid is not on the ice? Because you always feel the worst you're going to do with McDavid out there is, is tie. You, you never, it is rare the nights are going to be where you feel like you lose. So I, I think that's the key is can you find those guys who can carry the other 35 minutes? And when Dreisaitl is doing it, boy, are you guys a different team. Do you agree or disagree with the sentiment that Koskinen has given the Oilers a different option than they've had the last couple of years? Yes, I think he's been pretty good. I mean, I still, Bob, I, I still freak out every time I see that number. I'm like, what's that guy with number 19 right. doing in the net? But he's done a good job. And I think it's really interesting because, you know, at the beginning, it didn't look like you guys had a lot of faith in him. And then you put him in and, you know, he, he's won a few games like... That night against Detroit, I thought, was a really interesting night because he gave up some bad goals, but he battled enough to get you a W. And, and that's a lot of what life is. Like, if you if you have something that goes wrong, how are you going to overcome it and push it back to the right? And I like that from him that night. Um, you know, I, I think he has definitely. I, I know there were a lot of questions about the deal they gave him and the no-move clause. I know they had to deal with the Islanders there. But the fact is, like, he's given Talbot minutes. And you have to give Talbot some minutes. You have to 
you have to at some level, and he's, been, he's done pretty well for that. All right, so uh, we're joined by Elliot Friedman. Let's move off of things from it. Well, I, I'll, one more for you. What would you do with Paul Yarby and Yamamoto at this stage? Now, here's another one of my premises is you have to have production from players on entry-level deals, no more so than ever before. In today's NHL, are organizations more willing to live with uh, mistakes from young players because you got to play young players. It's just yeah, how the do. it's just how the cap system works. So, what would you do with those two guys? You know, the one thing I understand about Pulyarvi that is the issue is, the, and I and I kind of wonder about it again now is, you know, the last time you went down to the AHL with him, he was really unhappy, and it, it didn't go really well, and. I wonder if that's part of what's going on here, that they don't want him to go down there again. And that's just my opinion. Nobody from Edmonton's told me that. That is purely, like, when you look, you're you trying to look at this situation, you're saying, okay, what don't I know here? It's, it's obviously not working really well up there right now, and the obvious solution is the AHL, and he's not going down there. They're not at a point where they sent him down, and, you know, I just wonder, he was so unhappy at the AHL level last time, I, I just wonder if that's the issue there. So you're, you're kind of stuck between, you know, a, a bit of a tough spot there, especially if he's only going to play fourth-line minutes. You know, Yamamoto, I, I think that's a bit different. Um, you know, if you don't think he can play at this level right now, I, I would put him down there. Um, you know, people look at it like it's, it's an embarrassment or a negative or he's a failure. If he goes down to the uh, American Hockey League now, I think that is such a myopic way of looking at things. I think that's a loser's mentality. There's nothing wrong with, you know, learning at that level and understanding what it takes to play, playing in some situations, especially in that West where you get some really weird, hard travel. Um, You know, I I don't see the problem with it. I know people get down on it, but... I just think that's a bad way of looking at things. So I think the two situations are a little bit different. All right. Uh, I'm going to throw a name at you, Jay Woodcroft. And uh, this is nothing that the listeners to the show haven't heard before. I, I just yeah. think the orders are in a better spot right now that they've been in the past. Uh, there was way, way too much. And this this deal happened so long ago, it's not even fair to include the current management in it. But the, the setup in Oklahoma City gave way too much input and latitude to Oklahoma City. It's our farm team. We damn well decide who should be playing. And, you know, the prospects that the Oilers had, and they weren't great prospects, but they didn't play. That's all there was mm-hmm. to it. And what's happened with Woodcroft in Bakersfield this year, he's playing Marodi with uh, Hebig and uh, Tyler Benson. They're all over a point per game. He's playing them on the kid line. They play all the time. And he's actually coaching and developing guys. And I just wonder if that, and let's not forget that, yes, Apoliarvi knows Jay Woodcroft. And I just, I got to tell you, and take it for what it's worth, Elliot, you'd be naive to believe that people weren't pushing internally uh, to get a different vision down there. Yeah. Uh, I believe that Woodcroft, uh, it's it's a, a little bit different situation, so it might be more conducive for success if they do ultimately elect to uh, find a mechanism to get Yessa down there. Now, that's the here and now. Moving forward in the future... Regarding the Edmonton Oilers, uh, they need yep. some, they need some depth in the wings, and they probably need a second pairing right shot defenseman, and they have cap issues. Yeah, them and everybody else. Yes, that, 
and they have cap issues. Yeah. Uh, um, is something going to give in Carolina? Like, they're not winning games, and they can't score, and they're not getting stops. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's definitely a frustration mounting there. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, you know, Dundon is a guy who, uh, he's aggressive, and he grinds you, and he's involved, and he wants success, and he's a guy who, uh, you know, is very demanding. I don't think demanding is necessarily a bad thing. I've worked for very demanding bosses, and they've, they've brought a lot out of me. So I'm not saying that to criticize, but I do think there is a situation there where he expects the team to be good, and he expects the team to be better than it's shown lately. Um, I, I think that I, I do think they're very much in on Nylander. I think they are one of the teams that would have the ability to get a deal done with Toronto if it got to that point. Um, but uh, I think they, you know, I mean, the one thing is, is that they traded Skinner this year and they didn't get a lot in return. And, you know, now they're looking for secondary scoring. And I kind of understand the point in the sense that they didn't think they were going to be able to sign him. So that's why they traded him. But they didn't really get something that could help them now. And that's kind of a deal they're probably looking at right now and are saying, boy, we wish we were able to get something a bit better that could have helped us now because we're kind of looking for what Skinner gave up. So, yes, I do think they're in the market for something. Uh, i just not convinced that, A, it's going to be Nylander, and, two, uh, it's going to be as easy to find in terms of what they gave up to get, what they got to trade for Skinner. And, I mean, it all stems from the fact they made the deal to get Hamilton. He's a $5.75 million cap hit. He's a legitimate number one defenseman in the NHL. There's no question about it. He's a top 20 guy in the league, mm-hmm. and all of the advanced analytics reinforce that. They got Falk, who they're playing the crap out of right now they're, because they're showcasing him. Uh, yes, he's that's true. $6 million in real dollars, a year and a half left at a $4.8 million cap hit. And then the guy that they got that is way outperforming his contract even though he doesn't put up big points is Pesci at four million bucks and my and they have Slavin too although he's on the other he's, side he's a left he's, shot but there's three yeah, right shot guys I yeah. just I just look at you know I look at Carolina and I'm just like oh, you know there's got to be a creative mechanism at some point I, if, it, I don't want them to get Nylander personally right because I'm I'm wondering well if they don't if they don't get Nylander maybe there's a way you could work something out let's not forget who centered uh, Patrick Laine and yes, Apolliarvi with Finland on that uh, World Junior team? Are you talking about Sebastian Ajo? Yeah, yeah. That was a good. That's a good trivia question. Yeah. You know, I think the thing is, I think there's a lot of teams looking at Falk. I kind of heard Anaheim was looking at Falk. Um, I don't know if that's going anywhere. Um, but you know, I, I like that guy has been in and out of trade rumors for what two years? Sure. Like at some point, you know, at some point after a while, you're afraid to. I'm not afraid, but you don't want to throw him out there because it seems like his life has been one endless trade rumor and you're kind of tired of it already. I, I do think you're right, Bob, that something will give there. They've also got Trevor Van Riemsdyk as a right shot D there. 2.75 million. And he's not a bad player at all. Like He's a, he's a useful player. So yeah. I, I think something will give there. I do think they're going to try and find secondary scoring. But, you know, it, it's hard to find those guys. Like, you know, who are the secondary scores that are available right now? The, the teams are looking at and saying, yeah, I mean, Tanner Pearson is certainly available, but he's had trouble scoring. I mean, he had, what, got 15 goals in his last 97 games or is something he like quick? That. Is he quick enough? Has he been exposed? Well, I, right? I think we're all kind of wondering that right now, but that's the whole situation with that team. 
look, Paul Fazzi's not the fastest guy in the world, Bob, but you put him with all those quick guys in Winnipeg last year, he looked pretty darn good. So I think one of the questions I think teams are asking is, is does he look slow because he's playing for a team that has played slow, or does he look slow and, and, and he can't figure it out? I think that's kind of what's going on right now. So Pearson's a guy who's definitely available right now, but there probably aren't. You know, I'll tell you an interesting guy to wonder about, because the Ducks haven't signed him yet, is, uh, is Silverberg. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if they're going to be able to get a deal done there or not, but if Anaheim doesn't get on the race, I never give up on the Ducks. I, I have a lot of respect yes. for that team. I wonder what they're going to do with him. All right. Elliot Freeman joining us from uh, NHL Hockey and Rogers, courtesy of our friends at River Cree Resort and Casino. Spend New Year's Eve at the River Cree Resort and Casino. Start the night with Live and Let Die. Then stick around for an evening you'll never forget. Tickets at Ticketmaster.ca. Elliot, um, Joel Quenville. I mean, we just had a texter say, Bob, you got to write a book one day. Of course, you can't write it till you leave the orders organization. And who knows, after today's show, that might be around 2.15. But uh, I digress. (laughs) Uh, uh, What did you do today? uh, Nothing. I'm just having some fun. Uh, Can you imagine if we get the real unauthorized (laughs) story? Of the Chicago Blackhawks because it is, you know, where is Al McIsaac in all of this? Uh, where is John McDonough? Where is Stan Bowman? Where is Scotty Bowman? We were in Tampa. Guess who we saw right after the firing took place? And I had to chuckle. Um, but it, it finally came to, uh, you know, I mean, hey, they got outshot 21-4 in Calgary on Saturday night, but they were done. Their team was skating on fumes. They played six games in 10 days or six and nine. They were exhausted. Um, but let me ask you this. How long does it take Joel Quenville? How, how much time does he take off before he goes back to becoming a head coach in the league? Well, I think the, I think the answer to that question, Bob, is as long as he wants. Like, like, I believe softly, maybe not to him directly, maybe not to the Blackhawks, but you know how this league works. Somebody says, well, okay, who's friends with Joel Quenville? And they call up that person and they say, hi, I'm representing X team. Would Joel be interested in coaching if we made a move? Like that, and then that friend calls Joel and, you know, or someone else. That's like broken telephone, right? And, you know, something like that happens. Like it, it's all done around, around, around so that it's not technically tampering. But I'm sure that there have been teams that have reached out to people who know Quenville and said, if we make a change, um, you know, do you, do you, do, would you be interested? And I haven't spoken to Joel Quenville directly, so I wouldn't purport to say that this is what he's thinking. But what I've heard he's thinking is he wants to take the rest of the year off and just decompress. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the answer. But I will tell you this. I think there's going to be teams that check. And say, what's he thinking, and what's his next, and what's his next move going to be? When you're sitting there firing his trusted longtime assistant like Mike Kitchen, and yep. foisting uh, coaches on the staff, and it has occurred multiple times in Chicago, it just reinforces. We had Brian Burke on yesterday, who was brilliant on the Lucic stuff, by the way. Not a surprise. Yep. Certainly played to the Alberta market. Um, mm-hmm. But talked about the dysfunction in that organization. I mean, it was a straight. I mean, he's, he's the most respected coach in the NHL. He won. They played the way everybody wanted to play, and they won three cups too, right? So, yep. right? And to have his hands shackled with the coaching pushes that occurred between the little battle that went on, it was pretty intriguing to watch. Well, you know, he did have me and Samuels in there who were his guys. So yeah. I, I think that that you know it, there were things he got that he wanted, 
there were other battles he had to fight. I just think, you know, Bob, to me, you know, I think we, even though you and I, you know, don't play, I think we understand how hard it is to win. Like, if, if this league was so easy to win, we'd have 31 different Stanley Cup champions in the last 31 years. Like, th- this league is hard to win in, and it's only getting harder. And, you know, I, I look at a team that won three Stanley Cups in five years, and for me, all the like, if I was there and I was the coach or I was a GM or I was a player or I was the president or whatever I was, I would say, guys, there's plenty of glory to go around here. Like, everybody can bask in it. Everybody can sure. bask in it. And, and I think, unfortunately, Bob, what's happened is, you know, people wanted, some people weren't comfortable with certain people getting the glory, and that's totally yeah. foreign to me. Yeah, totally fine. Interesting situation, Elliot. We'll be watching you this week. Uh, are you going to work? With, you're going to do a collaborative book with me on the orders. You know what, Bob? Anytime you want to write a book, I'll be right there to help you. <laughs> I'll, br- I'll bring the crayons for both of us. Oh, there you, well, you know what? Uh, I think that's about as high as we can shoot for. <laughs> Keep it between the lines. <laughs> I always struggled with that. You weren't the only one. Take care, Elliot. All right, Bob. Have a great weekend. You bet. Courtesy of our friends at River Creek Resort and Casino, that is Elliot Friedman. Bob Stoffer with you. Wow. Uh, 1255 at Edmonton. We're going to marry the brakes because that's the sort of thing we do. Are you good with that, Brendan? Can we do that? It's already been done. It's already been done. Oh, you're, yeah. <laughs> you're like, I'm just going to let Bob ramble away today. He made, he made it in after getting in at 430 in the morning. So um, you can. Uh, I, I will get to some of your texts. There's no wrong answers. Like some of you'd say, just play the kids, and others of you'd say, nope, kids got to go down to the minors. Uh, others, you know, others you view are sitting there saying, why would you have Chase on play ahead of Paul Yarby, given that Chase on came in a PTO? And others would say, no, nope, Paul Yarby hasn't earned anything. Both sides of the discussion on that scenario are understandable. Right? These are the trials and tribulations that occur during the course of the year. Uh, it is 1256 in Edmonton. Bob Stauffer with you on Oilers Now. Let's tell you about this. There's an opportunity for you to join the Oilers Now roadies with New West Travel. We're going to go to Vegas and Nashville, see the, the Oilers playing two of the most exciting arenas in the league. These packages include airfare, accommodation, great game tickets, a private suite in Vegas, all your transportation, a welcome reception with yours truly, and special guests. We never tell you who the guests are going to be but we've had some great guests over the years. Uh, parking at the Value Park at the Edmonton International Airport. Limited space to get on these roadies to Nashville and Vegas for the Oilers Now Road Trips. Call the travel experts at New West Travel, 780-432-7446 or online at newwesttravel.com. Curtis Joseph, he's got a new book out. He's up next after a global news weather traffic update. Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.